And you said reverence beautifully, sweetheart. She'd been practicing saying that word for quite a while. She got it right. I love the way she said advance. Advance. Hey, did you get that? Good evening, everybody. Good to be with you this morning, uh, tonight. We were at a retirement village this morning, a place that has a little church, Regal Waters. Did you know there's a church out there in that retirement village? About, four, what's it, Rose? 60 people when everyone turns up. Rob and Margaret Humphreys organise it out there. It's just fabulous to see a church operating out there uh, in a retirement village of about 300 or so people. <clears throat> This is a fantastic passage. I love this part of God's scripture. What an amazing account of history. Let's just pray as we get into, the, into God's word. Loving Father, thank you for our time together already today. Um, thanks for your watchful presence, your hand upon us all. Thank you for the time we have together tonight to uh, worship you, to just focus on you. Allow your spirit to move over our hearts and just touch us, minister to us as the Holy Spirit does and only as he can. Nothing else works. You work powerfully and wonderfully when we open our lives to you. And we pray that we'll do that tonight, just allowing you to be who you are in us, that we might be who we are before you. Yeah, just do your work, Lord. We thank you that you do. And we commit ourselves to you now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Most people, uh, in their right mind, I'm saying, in their right mind, would take whatever measures, ever measures necessary to avoid engaging in a hostile conflict, or in any conflict, actually, in their right mind. Most nations, in their right mind, in their right thinking, would take whatever steps necessary as well to avoid engaging in, in war. However, as we also know... Sometimes conflicts and even wars are inevitable. Do what we might, they are inevitable. For example, the war on terrorism, as, as an example, the war on terrorism. Um, the city of Mosul in, in Iraq needed to be recaptured again. It needed to be liberated. ISIS needed to be defeated and kicked out and the inhabitants needed to be set free. Who's going to do that? War's inevitable at those particular times. Also, you know, as we've been watching the news and we're kind of wondering, and I'm sure there's a, a, a few nations, probably quite a few nations, a little bit nervous as to wondering what uh, old North Korea's up to and what they're uh, intending to do out there, what their next lot of behaviour will lead to. You know, and I'm sure the list goes on. We could think of all kinds of situations around the world where things are a bit of a powder keg in some countries where there's wars and so on happening. So it's important as well as we think about those things, it's important for God's people to pray. To pray as God's people that, that the Lord will intervene in the affairs of our imperfect governments and leaders. And we're told to pray for those in authority over us because they are imperfect and we want to pray as the Lord's Prayer teaches us to pray, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done in this country, Lord. Your will be done in this situation, just as it is in heaven. Good prayer to pray. And we need to be praying for those situations, particularly as God lays them on your heart. 
Okay, but I wonder this small, I wonder tonight as well, how many of us realise that as, as a Christian, as a believer in Christ, the fact being that war is inevitable for you and it's inescapable. Let me explain. Oh, well, here's the good news. Whether you know it or not, or whether you like it or not, if you belong to Christ, if you're one of his, then you're also conscripted into his army. And furthermore, it's a deployed army engaged in frontline warfare. It's interesting, just on that point, how Paul takes the analogy of, of being a soldier in God's, in, in God's army or a soldier in, uh, in our Christian lives. And he mentions that when he, when he writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter, uh, chapter 2 and 3 and 4. Let me just, just read those verses. How Paul takes that analogy, he says this. He says, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. So Paul says, you know, like a good soldier, join with me in suffering, endure like a good soldier. So I guess in many ways, the scripture is, is, is teaching us this thing about being in God's army, about being in conflict, about being in this role of a soldier. Um, there's a story of a pastor who went to a court hearing to protest against the building of a tavern near his church and near a public school. And the lawyer for the tavern owners said this to the pastor. He said, well, I'm surprised to see you here today, Reverend. As a shepherd, shouldn't you be out there taking care of your sheep? And the pastor replied, well, today I'm fighting the wolf. It's interesting, isn't it? There's wolves out there. And sometimes it's up to the shepherd to be engaged in fighting the wolves. Uh, they're out there, but folks, sometimes they're in church as well. And if we're prepared to face up to this reality, uh, we'll, discover, we'll discover that war is inevitable. Now, as we engage in these spiritual battles, that's really what I'm talking about, it's important that we understand that they're fought from a, a number of spiritual positions. And I want us to use this account of Joshua's, um, Joshua's campaign against Jericho. This is his first major obstacle uh, to Israel in their conquest of, of Canaan. They've crossed over the Jordan. This is the first major block now, this first, uh, this first challenge, this, to, uh, this first obstacle is Jericho to defeat this fortified city. And I want to use the, the story here of that to, to uh, illustrate some points. Firstly, it's, the first point is this. The wars or the battles that we face are fought from the position of submission. And that might seem a bit odd to some of us. Submission doesn't sound like a very, a very powerful place to be in. Submission sort of gives that idea. Who, who, who sees submission as being kind of a bit of a weakness thing? You know, do you get that idea in your head? Or is it just me? Is, you know, something is submission. You know, you bow down, you're kind of giving ground, submission. But in this story, we see Joshua in that position. And, and again, it's natural to think, how can you talk about standing strong against the enemy 
and at the same time be talking about submission. But look at this again. Let's look at this account of Joshua because he discovered this truth. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13 again. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him. Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? Verse 15, the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now, we need to remember that Joshua was an experienced soldier. He was also a courageous leader, commissioned by God. And he had no problem walking up to a stranger who had a drawn sword in his hand. And normally in that particular position, that signified that that person meant business. A drawn sword means I'm going to use this. Joshua had no problems in, in confronting this particular person. But as soon as he realises who he was talking to, he was talking to the commander of the Lord's army. You try and get that in your mind. What does that mean? That's amazing. The armies of the Lord? How many myriads, millions of angelic beings there would be in that army? Legions of angels. Jesus said, I've got legions of angels. I've got up my command if I want to call them. And he's the commander of those armies. And Joshua, when he found this out, when he came to that realisation, immediately places himself in that position of humble submission and asks him, what message does my Lord... Interesting he uses that word, isn't it? What message does my Lord have for his servant? He's in that place of submission. And I'm, you know, we know that the person that Joshua met that day and bowed down to in that act of submission and worship was none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself in his pre-incarnate form. Sort of call that a theophany if you want to use the big word and means the manifestation of God in, in a temporary way in human flesh. And that's what Joshua saw. He saw Jesus uh, in his pre-incarnate or pre-human form. And you'll notice, you'll notice that this person, this commander of the Lord's army, when Joshua bows down and worships, this commander accepts that. Um, he accepts the worship and this, this place of submission from Joshua. It's interesting because we need to recognise and realise that there are other accounts where other, uh, other leaders had angelic visitations and uh, the heavenly visitor sometimes would need to say, hey, don't do that. Don't worship me. You know, I'm a servant, fellow servant like you, as it was said to John on two occasions in Revelation. But this one was different. This one was indeed the commander of the Lord's army. God himself, if you like, in Christ in that form. Um, but the point that I, that I, I want to make here is that the strength that Joshua needed to begin this conquest of Canaan and to face the enemy was found when he placed himself firstly in that position of submission. 
to the commander of the Lord's army. And I love what he says. You know, it's an interesting word. Um, this, this interesting passage that, that, um, that he says, are you for us or you're for our enemies? And he says, neither. It's as if he's saying, I'm not here to take sides. I'm here to take over. And that's what he does. This principle of submission is also very clear in the New Testament. Where in James, for example, the word of God says this, submit yourselves then. Submit yourselves then to God from that position of strength, the Bible is saying. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. But I think it's significant that we firstly have to submit ourselves. It's a position of strength, not a position of weakness. When you submit yourself to the Lord himself. That's a place of strength like no other strength. So remember the battles. In the battles that you face, and we all face them, the battles that you may be facing right now, perhaps the wars that's going on in your life, or those of your loved ones, in those battles that you face, you've got to place yourself first in the Lord's hands, in that place of submission. His hands, in the hands of the one who has a drawn sword in his hand. And I love that. It's a powerful imagery. And he's promised to be with you always. And as Paul says to the Romans, what then shall we say in response to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Powerful, isn't it? Place ourselves in that position of submission. And it's therefore strength that we have, that you and I have the power and the authority to stand against the enemy. <clears throat> Remember too that we're given this full armour of God, and that's another sermon on its own. But we need to read that. We need to apply that in our own lives as well in that place. God has given us everything. As we submit ourselves to him in obedience, we also remember to put on the full armour of God that Paul talks about in Ephesians 6. Powerful stuff. We need to take that. But it's good to be in that place, and we need to be in that place of absolute submission. Um, D.K. Campbell, one of the Bible commentators, he makes this comment. Um, he said, Joshua had thought that this was to be his war and that he was to be the general in charge. But then he, conf but then he confronted the divine commander and he learned that the battle was, was not his, but it was the Lord's. And so it's a good reminder for us all to have again that if you're a child of God here, then the almighty God, the living God, who has a drawn sword in his hand, is fighting your battles. And I think it's good to, be, to remind ourselves of that. You're not on your own. You don't have to fight. You don't have to face that foe or that situation on your own. God with a drawn sword, that's a very powerful thing. <clears throat> Nothing can stand against him, but we have to submit ourselves into his authority and allow him saying, yes, Lord, the battle's not mine, it's yours. Just like God said to Jehoshaphat, the battle's not yours, it's the Lord's. He's fighting for you. Place of submission, need to remember that first. Secondly, we need to fight this war, battle these battles that we do, from the position of victory. Victory already won. And we see this in Joshua. 
Let me say it again. We need to fight this war. We need to face our battles from the position of victories already won. Look what God said to Joshua in verse 2 of chapter 6. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into... I have, past tense, delivered Jericho into your hands along with its king and its fighting men. God said that. And he's also confirming what the spies had already said when those spies were sent out in chapter 2 and verse 24, when they came back and said, God's given us this whole thing. He's given us the whole land. After they did that reconnaissance of Jericho and Canaan to come back with that report, God's done it. He's already won it, won it for us. And when Joshua met the Lord that day, he came to realise that the commander of the Lord's army had already defeated Israel's enemy and that all that Joshua really needed to do was to listen to God's word listen to this commander and follow his orders do you remember what David a shepherd boy though he was anointed by God to be the next king of Israel still a shepherd boy do you remember what he said to the giant armor cladded soldier Goliath as he faced him that day incredible faith he said this in 1 Samuel 17 47 all those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands Great words, powerful words. We need to apply those to our own situations. So what battles are you facing? What wars are you currently engaged in? Are you saying that, Lord, this is not for me. This is yours. I'm your child. I'm not meant to fight this. You're the commander of the Lord's army. This battle's yours. Help me to surrender it to you. Help me to be submissive. Help me to to you. And also help me to claim by faith this battle's already won in the name of Jesus. Someone has said this, the triumphant Christian does not fight for victory. He or she celebrates a victory already won. The victorious life is Christ's business, not yours. So we need to trust him and lay hold of these promises that he's given us. The Apostle Paul could also say in Romans 8, 37, we are, you could probably say it with me, we are more than? Hey, we're not just conquerors, we are more, say it with me, you don't sound like very conquerors tonight. We are more than? Yell it out, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So let me encourage you this evening by this amazing truth that if you belong to Christ, and that's the secret, Hey, do you belong to Jesus tonight? Anyone out there that doesn't? Don't expect you to put your hand up, but come and talk to one of us afterwards. If you're not sure whether you are one of those who belong to Jesus, you need to talk to us before you go home tonight. But if you belong to Christ, then you are more than a conqueror. And you are more than a conqueror, not just over some enemies, but over all enemies, over all the power of the enemy. Remember what Jesus said to the 70 on their return from their mission that he had sent them on 
And among other things that Jesus said, he said this in Luke 10, 19, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, and listen to this, and to overcome all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. These are good scriptures to know where to go and find them, good ones to underline, good ones to memorise when you do face those battles. It's not a matter of if, it's when. That you know these truths, and you, when you know that the enemy, when Satan is niggling you, when you know that he's having a go at you, then we need to lay hold of it. It's just like taking up the armour of God. And you smite the enemy with the word of God. He cannot hang around. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. And what happens? He might flee from you. Exactly. He will flee from you. And you lay hold of that authority. And he does go. Professor and scholar W. Warren Wearsby, I like this guy's stuff. He said this, Victorious Christians are people who know the promises of God because they spend time meditating on God's word. And folks, there it is. That's one of the things that we need to do. Are you spending time meditating on the scriptures? You need to do that. You make time to do that. That's so important. He says that. Then he goes and he says this. So they, let me, I've interrupted myself. Victorious Christians are people who know the promises of God because they spend time meditating on God's word. Joshua 1.8. They believe the promises of God because the word of God generates faith in their hearts. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And they reckon on, they hold on to these promises and they obey what God tells them to do. That's who he is. That's who he is. Do we need to remind ourselves again tonight, he's the God who stands alongside of you in your battles with a drawn sword in his hand saying the battle belongs to me, not you. And that brings me to the third thing that I want to say, which is when we fight this war, this, this, these battles in the spiritual realm, we fight them from the position of faith and obedience. Faith and obedience. Without faith, the scriptures tell us, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews 11 verse 6. And clearly, if God, our commander, is not pleased, then you and I won't be pleased either. Nor will we succeed. God expects faith. He's given us all a measure of faith. He expects us to use it. So we need to use our faith and, and apply it in obedience. You have to admit, though, the kind of instructions that God gave Joshua in order to conquer Jericho were a little bit different, weren't they? A little bit strange? Let me read it to you. Joshua 6 now. Verse 3. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry the trumpets of the ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. Have all the people give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go, go straight up, every man straight in. 
They're strange instructions that God had given Joshua. But it was by faith and obedience that he put it into practice. He took God at his word and Joshua goes to work. Verse 6, verse 7. And he ordered the army, as Aurora said, advance, march around the city with an armed guard going ahead of the ark of the Lord. It was a strange order that, that God had, had given Joshua, but it's interesting there wasn't one comment, not one murmur, not one word of doubt or question to God. Like, he, like Joshua was a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And he went out and he followed the orders by faith and in obedience. He marched out, he and the people. And when, they, when he had done that, when he had done what God had told him to do, and the people followed as well, they saw the walls of this incredibly enormous city that was tightly shut up, impregnable otherwise. They saw the thing collapse like a pack of cards. How incredible. Let me just read a little bit about um, Jericho from this archaeologist. Archaeologist John Garstang describes the defences of this city that blocked Joshua's access to Canaan's central highlands. He said there was a 35-degree plastered slope rested on the 11-foot stone abutment leading to massive 6-foot thick main walls some 35 feet above. Then an interior wall 12 feet thick surrounded the city. The outer wall had fallen outwards and down the slope as had the inner wall and the buildings that had been erected on it. And the archaeologists have actually found this and discovered that the thing didn't implode like that because then they couldn't have gone in and done what they needed to do. It needed to open up and that's how the walls collapsed outwards so that they could go in. God had it all in hand. All Joshua needed to do was to believe what God had told him, what this commander of the Lord's army had said, and obey. And I wonder, if you and I are honest, would we have obeyed orders like that? What, we have, what would we have done? Or would we have done what Joshua did in faith and obedience? Because you can't win any victories over the enemy and you won't see any strongholds in your life crumble unless by faith and obedience you do what the Lord Jesus directs you to do through his word and by his spirit. Now the story um, of the fall of Jericho has also been found in the great chapters of faith in Hebrews 11. But I want you to note how it is actually remembered and how it's recorded in chapter 11 of Hebrews. It says this, verse 30 of Hebrews 11, By faith... By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. And John, in his epistle, also reminds his readers of the power and significance of their faith in Christ when he says, for everyone, this is 1 John 5, 4, he says, for everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Can you see where it comes from all the time? How the scripture is reinforcing this and emphasizing this. Even our faith. Verse 5, who, who is it that overcomes the world, John says? 
only he or she who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now, I don't know whether I'm painting a picture where you're thinking, yeah, but you know, the people you're talking about are superheroes of the faith. I'm just me, you know. Perhaps you're thinking that, that, it could, that I could never have faith in God like that. Surely you have to be some super spiritual person to have that sort of faith. Well, listen, I don't think a pagan prostitute by the name of Rahab, who lived in Jericho, would have had a super spiritual faith. Do you? Yet she, along with her whole family, was saved and they overcame and did not perish because of their faith in God. And again, in Hebrews 11, we have that account. Listen to what it says, Hebrews 11:31. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Faith and obedience conquers. Lack of faith or disobedient defeats you. Rahab even found that out. So, folks, war is inevitable. It's inevitable as a Christian. We're, we're engaged in warfare. As each one of us who loves the Lord walks with him daily and we go about our lives in submission and obedience to him, we're going to discover that war is inevitable. As we continue to grow in the Lord personally and become more and more passionate followers of Christ, we're going to discover that war is inevitable. As a church, as we grow as a church, as we grow numerically, we're going to discover that war is inevitable. But I want you to hear this clearly tonight as well. Though war is inevitable, so is victory. Amen? Are you still with me? Though war is inevitable, here's the good news, so is victory. If we are, and there's an if here, if we are prepared, like Joshua, to follow orders from the commander of the Lord's army. So let me encourage you tonight, don't be discouraged. Don't be defeated. Don't be afraid of the battles and the wars that come your way. When you read this account of Joshua, when you hear what God's saying, when you read his word and look at the promises that we can lay hold of, look at the armament that we have in the spiritual realm. We are victorious. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have our time when we will get hammered. It doesn't mean that we're going to get hurt and wounded. It doesn't mean that at all. But overall, he's the commander. We need to follow him. He's the one who gives us overall victories. Let me just um, close with these words again from Wiersbe. I, I like what he says, and I think it's very significant tonight, uh, what he says. Listen to his instructions as well as I close with this. He says, The fall of Jericho is an encouragement to God's people to trust the Lord's promises and obey his instructions no matter how impossible the situation may appear to be. Jericho was a huge fortified city. How could they ever penetrate that? And yet God laid it out for them by faith and their, and their obedience. Let me keep going. You and I may not capture a city as Joshua did, but in our everyday lives, we face enemies and high walls that challenge us. The only way to grow in faith is to accept new challenges 
and trust God to give you the victory. Do not pray for easy lives, says Philip Brooks. Don't pray for easy lives. Pray to be better men and women. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your tasks, says Weresby. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight that we sit and we bow in the presence of the commander of the Lord's armies. We thank you that we walk with a God, that when it is necessary, he's the one who also appears to us as he did to Joshua, as a soldier with a drawn sword. Help us to have that imagery, Lord, that when we face the battles, no matter what they might be, no matter how insurmountable they might seem to us, no matter how gigantic, help us when we walk with you in faith to trust you, that you will walk alongside us, go before us, and to be the one who says, the battle's not yours, it's mine. Help us by faith, Lord, to hand it over to you and trust that you have all the resources necessary to know your word, that it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And to trust you for these marvellous promises. And Lord, to say thank you for your love and your care for us. We so thank you for the fact that we are more than conquerors. Lord, fragile, pathetic creatures like we are, more than conquerors? Yes, Lord, because you've said so. Help us to lay hold of you and by faith believe that and go out in obedience to the day that lies ahead of us tomorrow and the week. We bless you. We thank you, Lord. Help us to continue to grow and, and, and reinforce these truths to us, we pray, as we walk with you each day. In Jesus' name, amen.